Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Most parents today grew up learning about stranger danger, and that's what our parents were told to teach us. Fast fast forward to today, and many of us know that our children are at greater risk from people they know than strangers. But not all of us know this, as new research from ACT for Kids shows that only one in three are aware that those we know are more uh, potential risks than strangers we don't know. So how do we protect children when adults aren't even aware of where the real threat lies? Joining us on the line is psychologist Dr Kay Pickering from ACT for Kids. Hi Kay, how are you? Um, really well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure. Um, I thought we'd moved on from the focus on stranger danger um, to where the research shows we should be looking after our kids. Why do you think only one in three parents know that this is what we have to teach our kids? I think that um, I think parents often feel as if um, children, I don't know, that, that it's just because it's not about strangers that their children are at less risk mm-hmm. um, and possibly that they, they probably misunderstand um, that children may not tell them about, you know, about an incident that's potentially dangerous or threatening or has happened to them. Um, they expect that their children will, but often children don't know how to do that. Um, and and it's, I, it's, sorry to interrupt. Do you think one of the problems is, I know I struggle with this as a parent, is mm-hmm. that what we're told is that it's people we know and trust that are most likely to hurt our children. And mm-hmm. that just makes me really confused because I'm like, well, how do you know then if they're people that you trust? How do you know which um, person is the most danger to your child? You don't. Um, that's, that is the real problem is that the parents don't know either Mm. Um, and often when children do disclose they're shocked um, when the children disclose that somebody that the parents know and trusted has hurt their child Um, so it it is a really sensitive and difficult um, conversation to have and it's but it's a really important one as well and I think the important thing is helping children understand when they feel unsafe they need to be able to identify in themselves when they're feeling very uncomfortable in a situation before it even gets to the stage where it's dangerous um, and know what to do about that. And that's what protective behaviours programs are all about. It, they're about teaching kids how to understand um, understand their bodies, understand their personal space, understand what the private and public parts of their bodies are um, and who's actually allowed to touch them. And, um, and helping them understand what to do if they're in a situation where either somebody hurts them or they just feel unsafe, what they should be doing and who they should be telling and talk to about. Sorry, talking to about that. And if I could um, take that apart, there's a lot in what you just said then. Um, if we can start with um, talking about how their body feels, like how they feel in certain situations. How old can we start that conversation with our children? How old do you think they need to be? Well, there's a lot of research that suggests that children as young as five and six years old 
are readily able to learn protective behaviours and to retain that information over time and utilise that knowledge when they need it. So um, I think there's also a piece of research that I saw a few years ago that was done with um, 18 to 20-year-olds. It was a, quite a large study and it, it actually asked them whether or not they'd been abused as children, um, and sexually abused, they were talking about in this instance, but um, whether they'd ever been sexually abused. It was anonymous. They didn't have to say who they were. Um, whether or not they'd had any sort of protective behaviours training in childhood and um, what they actually found at the end of that study was that it was, children were 50% less likely to suffer abuse if they'd had any sort of protective behaviours training around the ages of five and six or beyond um, than they were if they'd never had that training. It made them that much more resilient and much that much more able to speak up and do something about it. So, you so break... five or six is fine. You mm. know, certainly we'd like to do it a bit earlier, but... Um, yeah, five and six, They certainly they can learn it and they can retain the information that they need to actually act and do something about it. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Kate Pickering. She's the Regional Director of ACT for Kids. And we're talking about um, how we can help our children be safe and um, learning what Kay was just talking about, which is protective behaviours. Kay, you did touch on this at the very beginning of this interview, but could we just go through what the protective behaviours are again? Um, So it's about identifying how they feel in their body and is it also about learning who they can trust to tell if something goes wrong? Yeah, there's basically about five principles that underpin most protective behaviours programs. So the very first one is about children learning to identify their own feelings and emotions um, and the cues that their body gives them when they're feeling particular ways. And for example, um, if you want, if you try and get a child to understand what it's like to feel unsafe and scared, you can you can ask them about what it feels like when they perhaps go to a theme park and go are really about to go on a really fast ride or a roller coaster or something like that. That what happens to your body when that when you're experiencing that? You know, you feel sick in the stomach, you get sweaty palms, your knees are a bit shaky. Um, what sort of things does your body do that tells you that you're not feeling safe when you're feeling a bit scared in that situation? And then you can move that onto other situations that potentially cause those same feelings, but for a different reason. So you also talk about what a safe situation. So going on a roller coaster is pretty safe. You might get those feelings, but that's safe. Um, going to the dentist can be really scary and can create that sort of um, scenario in a lot of children uh, or the doctors or there are other places like that where they don't feel particularly comfortable. But they're actually safe situations. But then there are other situations where you will feel like that and you're not, and you know that you're not safe. They're the situations when you need to be speaking up. So firstly, you teach them to identify how to recognise those feelings when they're feeling them, Um, how to identify whether the situation they're in is safe or unsafe, Um, how to identify things like secrets and surprises, what the difference is, because often when children um, are in a situation where they're being abused by an older person, they're coerced or threatened into keeping silent and not speaking up um, or being told that it's a secret and it's a special secret and you mustn't tell. So helping kids understand what the difference is about that, those sorts of things, a surprise birthday party that you've been asked not to talk about is different from somebody making you feel unsafe and then telling you not to tell anyone. 
Um, and then on top of that, they need to be able to identify the safe people in their lives. And it's not just people, it's safe adults. And the focus there is really on adults because sometimes your children will think that their friend is safe, but a five-year-old is not going to be very helpful for them. So um, identifying the safe adults in their lives and really helping them work through who those people are uh, is really an important part of the process. And is this something that you see needs to come from parents? I know that um, some schools will be teaching children this sort of thing. Um, Is it about trying to coordinate with them or do you think it should be the parents that start this conversation? I think all of us should be having conversations like this with our children at varying levels. So schools are a really great opportunity to get kids together in a classroom situation where they can support each other and they they bounce off each other in that sort of situation. So it's actually really helpful. Um, And it kind of, it it makes it, um, it's less confronting when they're doing the program in a group context. Um, It's often more difficult for parents because they find it difficult, particularly if they're talking to kids about, you know, personal and private body parts and um, personal space and those having those conversations. Some parents find that really difficult. Um, so schools are a great place, but we all should be having conversations. And there are loads of resources out there for parents to help them talk to their kids. But there's also lots of opportunities for um, in schools to be letting your children access those programs if they become available. Most schools have some level of... Um, um, programs that you know that they will run Um, a lot of them have um, you know prescribed kind of kits and things that teachers can deliver the only difficulty there is that teachers not always that comfortable delivering this stuff either much like parents so act for kids actually runs a five-week program in schools for grade one children around australia and um, and we go through all of this stuff with kids and help them learn what is safe and unsafe and when they should be speaking up and talking to someone. Brilliant. Well, we'll put links up to your website on ours, Kay. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Not at all. That was psychologist Dr. Kay Pickering from Act for Kids and we'll put a list, um, a link with all the information you need on that on our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.